Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Indie Pioneers by Cosmetics Design Asia, where we get to hear from some of the most fascinating independent beauty brands from Asia Pacific. On today's episode, I'm joined by Nico Yosman and Selvi Josman, the founders of Singapore-based 5 to 5 Skincare, which focuses on products that help repair the skin barrier. 5 to 5 claims to be a science-backed brand and endeavours to be as transparent as possible. It believes the rampant misinformation about things like cosmetic ingredients and sustainability are hurting the beauty market and consumers especially. It's a compelling topic and I can't wait to dive into it with my guest today. Hello you two, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much Amanda for the invite. No problem. Alright, now I have to admit, when 5 to 5 first came to my attention on, on social media, I thought, you know, there's another clean beauty brand that's hitting the market. But now I understand after talking to the both of you that the brand was not positioned to be a clean beauty brand. You know, could you tell me why? So, for us, maybe a little bit uh, about 5 to 5. So, it was, um, it, it is something that both Nico and I, my co-founders, um, thought of doing when we identify like there is a gap in the market, especially in the science space space. Um, when we first started this brand, um, to be honest, um, we thought of doing something that is more simple, something that um, could be, we, we thought of being a partner to our um, customers and me, myself, as someone who personally looking at the industry as a consumer, um, I try to find something that um, can help me in terms of my needs as well as because when I look at the industry, there are so many um, products available with different in, there are a lot of ingredients in the list, which sometimes I don't really understand as a consumer in the past. And I just want to have something that really could address my need. Um, and because of that, um, I had the conversation with Nico. I myself um, like about having the natural ingredients in the product. And that is also when I started learning more about clean beauty and the different um, indie brands and the industry. But um, having starting off the conversation with Nico, trying to identify the industry, and we come up with an understanding that hey, actually there is um, the different spectrum in the industry. Um, there is the clean beauty. There is also the very um, chemi- uh, science base, or you know, and something in between. And where do we want to be placed? And we thought of uh, where we want to be is um, a brand that is uh, trustworthy a brand that is uh, rooted in science and trying to educate our customers. Um, but I'll let Nico to add more to that. Yes, of course. So um, as, as you correctly said, uh, Clean Beauty have uh, really proliferated in the last 10 years, uh, Amanda. So uh, between me and Selvi, uh, when we first started out, of course, when we first tried to understand the industry, uh, naturally, we are we were also exposed to the uh, Clean Beauty. Um, so we, we, we studied all that, we, we, we explored all that. But after some time, after we dig a bit deeper, uh, we realized that uh, that doesn't seem, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to be nice. It doesn't seem to be very accurate in terms of their um, messaging. We feel that this is more accurate. This is more uh, fact-based approach that we are more comfortable with. So we we start to uh, dig a bit deeper on that side, and we uncover the whole science beauty community, and uh, and we we realize that uh, this seems to be something that's uh, more interesting. That's uh, that's that's more. Uh, fact-based more uh, accurate but why is no one surfing this market uh, except for of course uh, the ordinary like you already know 
but uh, the ordinary, of course, as you also know, have their own own style of uh, doing things. They are very single ingredients focused, and that's what they highlight in the product. But uh, as I probably have already mentioned to you before, uh, we noticed that there are a demand out there for a science-based product that probably uh, ordinary have not met. Uh, and that's why we wanted to create this brand to serve that needs. As you mentioned, you know, clean beauty has dominated the last few years. and But do you see this lasting for another, I don't know, three, five, ten years? Is Basically, is clean beauty here here to stay? Or do you think that is a movement that is, is going to falter? So I think you are correct that clean beauty has grown very fast in the last decade. And I think it is hard to actually pinpoint what is the exact cause that uh, drives this trend. But I suspect there is more of um, a combination of few factors that were happening at the same time. Um, I think what, what is clear here is that it is hard to find independent scientific resources in the beauty industry at that time. And it is also hard for average consumers, um, even for myself, in the past to distinguish whether the message given to them by these companies were accurate or not. Um, but I think that was in the past and the industry has definitely changed in the last few years with science forward brands like what Nico mentioned earlier, like DCM and The Ordinary. They have successfully gained the attention of you know the mainstream beauty consumers. And I think another point is also the beauty con- community uh, led by experts uh, in the community. They have been trying to push back misinformation around the beauty industry. And um, it is growing across uh, various social media platforms. So it is now much more easier for consumers to get the correct or scientific answers to their beauty questions. And I think um, it is hard to say whether clean beauty will be gone entirely in, within the specific timeline. But there will always be a subset of consumers that identify with clean beauty um, ethos for some reasons. Um, I would say it is safe to say that the day of their super growth is probably over. But they, and they will probably shrink as compared to the beauty industry as, um, as a proportion. Um, but as I mentioned, there will always be people who like clean beauty um, because it's, they could identify with it better. Mm. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that it's not, a, it's not a, a case of this versus that. It's more of like another option for people. Correct. Because a lot of Correct. people right now, they are kind of fighting, right? I don't know if you see, you, you guys follow Desium and you see it, saw that, that statement they put out a couple of months ago yeah. regarding yeah. Uh, clean beauty. Yeah. And, you know, there was some backlash to that statement. Yeah. Yeah, correct. I guess, I mean, with social media, the good or the bad part of it is that uh, it can be an eco camber sometimes. I mean, people tend to follow or find things that they like. So if you like clean beauty, you tend to follow clean beauty, then you have, you feel strong attachment to it and you will tend to defend it uh, for whatever reason. Likewise, uh, if you like science and you follow science, you tend to defend it for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, uh, skincare is something that I think uh, it should be uh, should be fun, should be an indulgent for the customer. They should enjoy uh, wearing it, uh, doing it. So I, I think it's no point to divide consumers like that. Oh, uh, it should be science space is the only thing to go or it is the only things to go. At the end of the day, I mean, you and I know that there, there are a lot of noises that mention that, oh, uh, cosmetics are dangerous, that it's not regulated and all that. And we know that that's false. Um, it's not regulated like drugs uh, because 
cosmetics are not meant to, uh, you know, do uh, super significant stuff like like drugs do. They're not supposed to alter your biological function that way. So that's why the government has not bothered to regulate cosmetics like drugs. But at the same time, it is regulated in the sense that everyone, every manufacturer, uh, uh, brands uh, that, that distribute the brands, we are all responsible to ensure that the products are safe for the consumer. I mean, I can't just cook something up in a kitchen and start selling that to the customer. The government will definitely come after me. So at the end of the day, if it's uh, skincare products that's uh, in the market that comes from a respectable company it's pretty safe to say that it's safe for the consumers so instead of trying to fight well, which one's better or not i think it's better for the consumers just to continue to enjoy using what they like whatever works for them mm. i'm not sure if you guys know about the free from ban in in the eu yes, yes the, the regulation yeah, yes. that bans yeah yeah, yeah. Do, would you like to see something like this in in singapore or asia wider asia region I think it's a bit hard also to say that, uh, to put a hard regulation to say that, oh, you should not mention anything uh, free from, in the sense that, yeah, I mean, it's probably there to protect consumers from all this uh, fear-mongering issue, but at the same time, um, we live in a free market, and I think consumers also need to have an option to choose uh, the stuff that they like if they identify themselves with something with all these thousand free from list and that's something that they like i think it's also unfair for us to say no you can have that uh if that's something that you choose then fine so be it but at the same time i think it's also partly consumers responsibility to be smarter and to educate themselves to identify which one is correct and which one is not and which one uh, they prefer for themselves but uh, yeah, that's, that's I think where our position is in terms of whether the government should actually put a hard regulation on it or um, let the free market um, decide for themselves. But currently, I think in Singapore, the, re- um, the regulators is not as, um, you know, like they are not as strict in the definition as compared to even like, um, I mean, different regulators, even when we when we look across the region in Southeast Asia, there are regulators that are more particulars about the labeling. Um, but I think in Singapore at the moment, it is not as uh, as uh, they are not as particular. Humans are predisposed to accept negative information more than positive ones. But how would you personally like to see the industry counteract this kind of this innate behavior almost? Um, it's just, it just happens that many clean beauty brands employ this tactic and they fear monger with a lot of their uh, no free, no less or free from stuff. And we are definitely against that. But uh, at the same time, I also want to acknowledge but that this marketing tactic also predates clean beauty. Uh, so whether you sell natural, clean, science-based product, all, all skincare companies in the past have made hyperbole marketing claims and uh, fear mongered in some way uh, or the other. But I think like we have ever mentioned in the past uh, is that uh, this probably is to now changing. Consumer uh, are getting smarter in filtering out fake news and misleading informations. So you also now have many independent experts that are uh, ready to call you out on social media as a brand if you resort to this uh, old school tactics of uh, telling uh, misinformation just to sell your products. And that's definitely not going to do good for your brands. Um, so to me, that it might be a bit optimistic for me, but I hope that uh, the wheel is already in motion and fear-mongering could soon be a thing in the past with all that's already changing uh, in the industry right now.
Okay, I know that you guys are fan of, of The Ordinary and Desium, but is there any other uh, indie brand that you look up to? Okay, I will I will have one. Nico will have one. Sure, sure. Okay, so like you said, I think there are a couple of amazing indie beauty brands. And one that we look up we look up to is the um, Crave Beauty. I do not know if you have heard. Yeah, so we just thought like um, the founder, Lee Ayu, she also started off from, you know, she's one of the influencer in the skin beauty. And she also had like experience in the uh, beauty industry. Um, what Why we like Crave Beauty is because uh, a lot of things that they do, um, we think they are doing something that is quite impressive from the product messaging um, the executions the quality of the product because we do try their products also um, and the executions and also the brand message so Crave Beauty is uh, one of them and Nico yours yeah the other one that I like and I also honestly just found recently is Stratia I don't know if you have heard of them uh, they are a US best company and they also position themselves as a science space brand they are probably a bit smaller than Grave Beauty, but I think they are rising quite fast. I think what's really interesting for them is that uh, because they position themselves as a science-based brand, uh, they made a point of actually using paraben steel in their products. And I think this is very, very rarely done by uh, indie brands uh, uh, because, you know, the consumers have totally right of parabens on their mind, uh, regardless whether it's right or wrong. They, they will definitely avoid parabens for whatever reason. But Stratia have made the point that, oh, we really trust in the science behind it and we continue to use it. And I think that's very uh, commendable. Yeah, I think so too. Fantastic. Thanks guys. That is that was really amazing. I think we had a great chat. I mean, it was very interesting. I wish we could go on for longer, but we are running out of time. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thanks for the invite. This has been Amanda for CosmeticsDesignAsia.com. Join me again in the next episode for more conversations with beauty's indie pioneers.